So let's pray. God, we thank you for um, just your presence in worship, God, and that you love us, and I pray that you would speak to us now. God, the Bible is alive. It's for us today. It's your word living and active in our hearts, and I pray that you would speak in a way that would be real for us, sitting here right now, about to head out into another week, that, that your Bible, your word would come alive for us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, so we've been teaching for the past few weeks on a series through First Thessalonians, and I just feel like we're done. We didn't finish the book, but I feel like we're done, all right? So um, the stuff that I felt like God wanted us to say is we've said, and it's just time to move on. So I could have forced it and finished the book, but it just, um, it's not, it's not, is that? Yeah, James, that's like right in my eyes. I love it. I'm going to stand on this side of the table. There we go. We can all see how good James is. Yes, he got it. Um, so... I was praying, and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to teach on something entirely different. So this is not in, in any series. We'll start another series here. But I felt like God wanted to just give you guys an encouragement. Um, have anybody here ever done an escape room? Yes. I did my first escape room uh, two weeks ago with the sixth graders. I see one of my guys back there. This was the guy who found the final key. He had to reach in and grab a... Um, what? It's not a decapitated hand, because that's a head, but an amputated hand of Luke Skywalker, and the last key was attached to it, and it was very brave of him. Um, but I was thinking, just praying through this teaching about how sometimes our life, like going through our week, can feel a little bit like an escape room. So you've got all these things you have to get done. And I don't know if you, the, the escape room we were in, it wasn't necessarily sequential, like one thing at a time. There was like obstacles everywhere. And so you kind of could get paralyzed by like, well, this I don't quite understand. And this I don't quite understand. We got like two of the three numbers for this. And we did a Sudoku puzzle and like one's wrong. And it, we could have just, at some point it was like, I'm just going to sit down, right? Like you win, escape room. You, you beat us, you know? Like, isn't life feel like that sometimes, right? You're like... Uh, you get one thing, and then you're like, okay, we can handle that, and then another thing, and then there's a third thing, and at some point, you just want to sit down and be like, okay, life, you win. I give up. You're stronger than me. I can't handle it. Whatever you're trying to prove, you win, and, um, you know, I think, I think that that can be life, and so I want to use the analogy of escape room until you get sick of it today, and talking about what, what to do, what Jesus says for us to do when we feel overwhelmed, all right? Now, I'm not going to make any excuses for this clip. I, I like this clip because I think it's a good representation. This lady wrote a book called Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. And she is an author, and she's, um, she writes for the New York Times, I believe. And um, so this is her being interviewed. It's not like super flashy or anything exciting. It lo- looks like a PBS interview. But I think what she says is interesting. So I want to watch just two minutes of this clip and see if you can find yourself anywhere in this. Now, guys, this is really from more of a female perspective, but um, it, it's still good. All right reading the newspaper calmly and I was emptying the dishwasher and I was loading it and I was making lunches and finding the crumpled up homework and signing the Girl Scout forms and oh you forgot your soccer gear or whatever and running after kids on the way to the school bus and so my morning was was nuts and so we just thought it, we were all we all had very heavy caregiving responsibilities outside of work 
um, we were either caring for kids or a- aging parents. Some people were guardians of nieces and nephews. And we were like, it was like we were trying to live two lives at once and feeling really stressed about it in a way that others that we were competing with in this very demanding work environment were not. And so we just said, women are busy. That's why we wrote for the newspaper and had a hard time reading it in the morning. Mornings are very fraught for a lot of women. And so wanting to have the, de- the, the data, being journalists, investigative reporters, somebody said, yeah, aren't there time studies? And I had never heard of this uh, field of study before, and now I am very familiar with time <laughs> studies. I've read a lot of them since then. And uh, so I raised my hand and said, well, I'll find out. Not knowing anything, I Googled busy mother, women, time, and found a time use researcher, called him up and said, we're doing this report on why women aren't reading the paper. We figured they're too busy. And he said, wrong. Women aren't busy. Women have 30 hours of leisure a week. (laughs) I remember reading that in your book and going, wow, it's like this guy is almost trying to put someone in their place. Well, you know, I really felt like I felt two things. I was furious, like, oh, man, one more thing to feel bad about. Really? Where are those 30 hours? I just felt like he was living on a different planet. And the other thing is I I was also terrified because what if he was right and there was something wrong with me that I was sort of like living on the sidelines of my life. It just felt like it was screaming past me. And there was a sort of a, a fear and sadness with that because I know it's my one and only life. I know that it doesn't last very long. you know. And yet I didn't seem to feel that I could do anything about it. I felt very stuck. And most of the national conversation was, well, you chose to be a working mother. This is just what you have to put up with. So I kind of thought that I did. Mm. And so uh, I said to this time use researcher, you're out of your mind. I don't have 30 hours of leisure. I feel like my hair's on fire most of the days. And he said, yes, you do. Come and do a time study with me. I will show you where your leisure is. So he laid down this challenge, and that's honestly how this whole book came about, is I did a time study. He found 27 hours of what he called leisure, and I called scraps of time confetti garbage. Yep. And well. so, so I wanted to figure out, well, well. Yeah. I like that. I think I think that's really interesting. I mean, I think that some of you can probably relate, you know, um, I don't know, if, you, if you're the one who gets the kids ready and out the door in the morning, you can relate to the beginning of that. Um, I, I actually read uh, an article this last week, like this parenting article, one of those parenting articles that makes me just feel like a horrible parent. Have you read this? And it's like, you're raising your, if you're not doing these 12 things, you're raising your children to fail and this lady is like, I don't even get up in the morning. My kids have to set their own alarm clock, make their own lunches, you know, like, and I was thinking, that all sounds great. Um, <laughs> Going to implement that. Uh, but it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, you can feel overwhelmed. So let's walk through a few stages of life. And this is why I wanted middle schoolers in here, because I know middle schoolers, I have some in my house. I know high schoolers, and I know college students, and it is overwhelming, like, high schoolers, it's overwhelming to get up at six o'clock in the morning every day and, you know, have classes all day and then, you know, potentially sports and then homework and maybe another sports team and try to have maybe a little bit of time to yourself. I mean, and then your parents, 
dealing with them. I mean, it's overwhelming. I watch how tired, like parents, do you ever see your teenage or middle school kids like get off the bus or, or you pick them up at school and you just kind of see like, like that drain on, you know, they've, they were up late studying for a test and maybe it didn't go that well. And I don't know if, if as adults you can remember those feelings or not, but it's overwhelming. I know like we're, we're good at pointing out the failures and the things they're not doing, but um, but it's tough to be a teenager. It's tough to be in school. And they have stuff we didn't even have. Like social media is this whole, whole other weight that's constantly like this, this noise that they're dealing with that they're trying to compete and measure up to. Um, you know, you could be a young adult. And I just feel like when I, when I think young adult, I just think decisions, decisions, decisions. Like it feels like your whole life, um, all the decisions that are gonna shape the re- next like 60 years of your life, you, all, you have to make them in like a three-year span and you don't even feel ready for it. You know, like you're designed you're deciding potentially careers and spouses and all sorts of like, you know, what socioeconomic status you're going to end up being in and all these things. And you're like, I'm barely out of high school. How am I supposed to know this stuff? Um, I think singles, you know, you're, you're balancing life. You're balancing life. You're trying to find time for the things that are important to you. And you're trying to know the limits of what's too hard to push at work and what's, you know, what's out of bounds for my health and how hard I should work. Um, married with kids, or no, I said married without kids first. Um, that's really easy. Married with kids. <laughs> married without kids. You know, you're trying to figure out how to be married. I mean, I love meeting with uh, pre-married couples because it's so fun to watch these two lives that have been independent be like, you know, and there's no pretty way to do it, you know? It's just like, I've always done a certain thing with my toothpaste or with my dishes or with my clothes or, and go on and on and on. Like, until you share every moment of life together, you don't realize how, how much you care about everything, right? And, and when someone else is doing that with your stuff, it's crazy. Um, I have certain ways I used to like to leave things and I'm not allowed to anymore. Um, (laughs) If you're married with kids, life is, I mean, it's crazy. And then most people who have one kid are stupid enough to have more, right? And you just keep adding to it. So even if you're past that and you're an empty nester, it doesn't stop. I mean, you should see my dad. He's 68. That guy is just going nonstop. He's, he's got a job. He's got uh, volunteer hours. He's coached a basketball team this past season. He's uh, constantly babysitting or driving one of my children. He, it's, it's nonstop work, no matter. And then eventually you die, right? Sweet relief. Yes. <laughs> You're going to get to heaven and he's going to be like, to-do lists are not allowed, you know? But is that it? Like, is that, is that life? Is that just the, just the rat race to, you know, I mean... Maybe I'm teaching on this because I turned 40 in three days, maybe. But, you know, it's a milestone. I'm, I might be halfway finished my life, right? And so have I done, am I halfway done everything I hope to accomplish? <laughs> you know, <laughs> have I even started? I mean, you'll reach a time in your life where you'll start to look backwards and think about, you know, years and years and years and years ago and and it just starts to feel distant. And I remember my dad telling me there's, this, there's a time in life where you cross where um, time starts to go faster. And it used to be like, man, you, that, that event's a year away. We've got all the time in the world. And then it's like, that's like tomorrow, right? So um, there is this sense of like, is my, is my life slipping away? Have I spent most of my life doing things that aren't eternally significant? 
You know, I mean, have I spent most of my life just like trying to get through each day and I'm not really enjoying or getting meaning out of it? All right. Um, I try to have balance. It's something that I, uh, I, I try to care about in my life. And we were at a, we were at a meeting about the church plant and, uh, this week and Jim Shiflett was talking and he said, Christian, we just don't want you to burn out. And I was like, yeah, I have no idea how to avoid that. Like I, and I talk to other pastors and I, I encourage other pastors and I'm, I'm great at looking at someone else's life and, and saying, you know, that, look, that sounds like too much or, you know, and yet I, I, don't, I don't know how to take things off of my plate. I'm really good at putting stuff on my plate. Um, and that's just eating, like also with responsibilities. Um, I don't know how to take stuff off of my plate. I, you know, we're adding this church plant thing and people say, you know, I mean, you should hear the stories people tell me about church planning. It sounds like the worst thing to do with your life. And, and you shouldn't be doing anything else. But I've got a side job with the vineyard, and I've got other responsibilities we're going to try to keep going here. And there's other stuff I want to do with my life. Like recently, Jonathan and I and a couple other friends, we're going to start a devotional app for teens that we're going to launch. And I think this is going to be a great thing. But like, you could look at my life and say, you should not start that right now. Like, you should not start two new things in one year that are, what? Because you're the only one doing it right now. I am doing all the work, too. <laughs> the other people are in it for name, name. I'm just going to put your names on it. Featuring Jonathan Latshaw. It's okay. You'll catch up to me. It doesn't, I mean, but, so I, personally, I'll just be honest with you. I struggle with this. Yes, I should have a balanced life with, but I only have so much time. And I've got these things, like, I don't want to die and feel like, I didn't do that, but I also don't want to die and, you know, like the thing that everybody says, like, I just didn't spend enough time with the, you know, I hate that. Like, that's my greatest fear. You know, spend enough time with my friends, spend enough time, you know, walking around in nature, spend enough time with my kids or my spouse or whatever. Um, My spouse, whatever. (laughs) So I'm I'm not good at knowing what, what boundaries are. I'm not good at saying no. Should you be teaching this right now? No. I'm just going to keep talking until someone else gets up. Who doesn't do much with their life? Let's see. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about feeling overwhelmed, but I don't want to give this, um, I don't want to talk, you, talk to you about how to get out of those situations because I don't know how, right? But I, <laughs> I'm going to talk about what to do when you're in them. No, seriously. I could give a teaching on priorities, having a Sabbath, how to say no to things. But I don't want to do that. I want to talk about how to change you inside that situation because there's times when you just are overwhelmed and it's not, there's nothing you can get off the plate. Sometimes life is just pressing in on you and is it okay in those times to be your worst self? Is it okay in those times to feel like giving up or does Jesus have a way for you? And I believe Jesus has a way for you and it's my favorite verse and I know that I've taught on this verse before and I don't care. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Um, I know sometimes I take this clicker from Janine and then I forget I have it. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heaven burdens. And, heaven burdens? That sounds great. Heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now, if you've read the Bible before and you've been in church for a long time, you know what a yoke is. For if you haven't, you might think that that's talking about eggs, um, although it's spelled wrong. But basically what that is, is they referring to a, an agricultural term where they would take a piece of wood and bind a couple animals together who would drag the plow behind them. And so he's saying, 
you're, you're working under a certain load right now. Give that to me and take my load on you. All right? And that's basically what that means. So let's take the escape room analogy, right? We're in this escape room. There's locks everywhere. There's confusion everywhere. And just add to it that you're in there with six, sixth graders, okay? Just for the fun of it, all right? And, and that's what it was like for me and Joe. Joe Compista was there, brave, brave soul. All right? Um, you feel like there's so much to do and so little time. In fact, there's even a clock counting down. Does life ever feel like that? It's like ticking away. And every time you look at it, you're like, how could 10 minutes have passed? We haven't done anything. We were just talking strategy, right? And so here's three things that I think Jesus promises us in the escape room, okay? The first one is that he promises us himself. Jesus says, come to me. He promises us himself. Now, there was one point where we had this puzzle we had to figure out, and it had a pen attached to it. And, I, and, and the pen was one of these click pens, and when you would hold it down, the pen would come out. When you let go, it wouldn't stay out. It would go back in. So for a while, I was like, and I looked up at the camera. I was like, is this part of the deal? Like, you don't even give us working pens, or is the pen actually broken? And, right, and the guy's like, the pen's broken. Right, so... <laughs> So the guy comes into our room and gives me another pen. I was like, thanks, thanks, right? Yeah, if that guy could have just stayed in the room, we would have gotten out a lot faster, right? He knew everything about the room. And afterwards, we had these conversations where we would like be so close and he'd be, he'd be there like, come on. Dude, we, one time we had this, the, the number 512 and we did, there's like a hundred, okay, that's an exaggeration. There's probably 15 locks throughout the room. We're like 512, 512, 512, 512. We tried them all, didn't work. And like 20 minutes later, we asked for a clue and he was like, try it backwards. Ugh, 215 unlocked something. It was so, we wasted so much time. If that guy had just been in the room, life would have been a lot easier for us. This is what Jesus promises you. As a parent, I've noticed there are times where my kids just need to come be with me. And when they're with me, we just get to talk about it. Maybe they, maybe, you know, I give them a hug. Maybe I give them a little bit of wisdom, but I don't change their situation. But I change them within their situation. Right? I don't change the fact that there's that test tomorrow or there's that tryout tomorrow or whatever, but I, get, I have a chance to change their perspective, to change who they are. There are times when my kids just need to come to me, right? And the, the cool thing about Jesus is then he stays with you. Like, I can't go with them to their tryout, right? I can't go onto the field and play with them or whatever. I can't sit down and take the test with them. Jesus can, which is really nice. But that's what he's offering us. He's offering that we can come to him. I love Ephesians 1, 3. Um, I've been writing a lot of devotions about Ephesians for our devotions app for teens. <laughs> All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. I love that. We're united with Christ. That He is saying, come to me. Listen, are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling burdened? Are you feeling worn out? You have to come to me and I will join you in this place. It's such a great promise um, at youth group, we've been talking about creating sacred places in our life. How it's not enough to just have church as a sacred place. It's not enough just to have small group. But that we have to own our own spiritual health. That only you are responsible. Not your friends, not your spouse, not your parents. Only you are responsible for your own spiritual health. And only, you know, if, if you get to this place of feeling burnt out or feeling disconnected, Maybe it's because we haven't been spending time making space 
for that sacred exchange with God. Where deep can call to deep. That's a, that's a great psalm where David talks about your deep calls to deep. The depths of my soul and the depths of God's heart talk to one another. Are you creating that sacred space where you can come to Jesus like a child comes to their parent and receives that strength and wisdom and comfort and encouragement? Okay, he also promises us rest. All right, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. He actually promises it twice. There's an exchange of our stress for his rest. It's like one of those cheesy Christian things you'd buy. All right, not you, but my mom, she would have bought that. She would have. She bought every, she would buy like those Christian gum, you know, like with verses on them. All right, anyway. Um, the, new, the New Testament? Yes, the New Testament. <laughs> That's good. Those are a real thing. Have you ever seen this? Yeah. <sighs> totally distracted. Okay. Um, yes, so in the escape room, there were times where we just needed to stop doing one of the things. Like we would, I, I, I for some reason took the Sudoku puzzle. Is that how I'm saying it right? All right, and, and I've, I've only done a Sudoku puzzle like twice or three times in my life. Come to find out later when we get out that Joe does Sudoku puzzles every night. Really? Yeah, and he was telling me that he was having this growing frustration with me how long it was taking me to get this thing done. <laughs> and when I got it done, I had one of them wrong anyway. And he's over trying to manage the six sixth graders and keep them focused and on task. And I'm just sitting there by myself. Like, and, and he could have gotten it done a lot faster. That's not really the point, but... <laughs> There are times when we just needed to like, we would get so far with one thing, but we could tell like um, with the Sudoku puzzle, once we had it figured out, it didn't mean anything until we found another, open another box, and then it gave you a piece of paper that you laid on top, and it blacked out all the numbers except for three, and it was a combination. See? But without that, it wouldn't, I could have worked in that Sudoku the rest of my life and never figured it out. So sometimes you just need to take a break. Sometimes you just need to rest. And you know, I don't think taking a rest with God always means ceasing, although I do think it's important. I think sometimes it means connecting with the eternal perspective of what's going on. All right, Colossians 3.2, this is the message version. If you're really serious about living the new resurrection life of Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along. So this, is, this is the sense of being overwhelmed. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with the things right in front of you. That would be a hard verse to just live. That one. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. See, Jesus, I think, when we connect with the eternal perspective, in the midst of being overwhelmed, I think he reminds us of who we are in the midst of all that. That we're more than the sum of our to-do lists. That we're more meaningful. That we offer more to the people around us and the world around us right? He, offer, he tells us who we are. He reminds us of the meaning behind what we're doing. You know, sometimes changing dirty diapers can feel meaningless. Most of the time. But, but it, it's, it is you caring for another soul. You know, sometimes parenting is just like, what did I get myself into? And, and, and it, it's important to connect with the eternal and say, right, there's a reason behind this. Sometimes being in high school, you're like, how will I ever apply this in life? The answer is no, you never will. You did? Yeah. All the stuff that I never thought I'd need in high school. Yeah. Teach your kids. Actually, that's really true, Gary. The only time you will use it is for your own children when they learn it. Yep. 
It's a weird cycle they've created. Um, no, there are things you learn in high school. We'll talk about it at youth group. Okay. Um, I think there's something really important about connecting with his perspective that can take your eyes off the ground, that can remind you of who you are and remind you of why you are. Okay. And the last one, he promises to teach us. So I don't know if you caught that um, in the verse, but he says, um, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Let me teach you. Um, another translation says, learn from me. Learn from me. Like, let's stop trying to do this your way. Stop trying to always figure it out. And let me teach you. Let me teach you. And I think um, he's like the clue guy in the escape room. I love the clue guy. He knew everything. And it was so, he was like a prophetic clue guy. Because he didn't just give random clues like, you know, Open the left box first. Like he knew, he was watching us, so he knew exactly what we were working on. So he would say, I'm talking about the escape room. All right, you looked a little lost, Julia. Yeah, right? Okay. So he, and he would just say like these little sentences that were like light dawning in the room. It was like, ah, it's so obvious now, right? So that's what, that's what this is like when we allow Jesus to teach us. And I think that he... allows us to get into these stressful times, these these overwhelming times, because they create teachable moments. You know, if everything was always easy, there wouldn't be as many teachable moments in our lives. And there's times when stress really shows, like, what's really inside of us. And it can begin to unearth stuff that, you know, we need him to teach us about. Um, Okay. Sorry, I got slightly confused. My notes were out of order. I'm okay now. Okay, I think Jesus is saying when we feel overwhelmed and we're not sure what to do, this is a great time for him to teach us some kingdom principles. See, kingdom principles are generally countercultural to what you're normally taught. He teaches you how to have peace in the midst of stress. Right? He teaches you how to have grace in the midst of confrontation and tension, how to have power in the midst of weakness. So he says, listen, I've been through it all. In fact, Hebrews 12 says, consider him who endured such great opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's been through it. He knows how to face hard times. And so he can bring those teachable moments to you. Let me, let me just tell you from my life. Um, oh, one more thing. For him to be able to teach us, we have to be teachable. I don't know if you've ever had someone try to teach you and you weren't being teachable. Or if you've ever tried to teach someone who's unteachable, it's very frustrating. You can have all the right answers, but if they're not willing to learn, it really doesn't do much. All right? So um, for me, when I get an idea, I like to make it happen. I don't like to wait. And there's like a part of me that knows from having lived for 39 years that, um, that it's good to wait, that rushing can produce problems. But the other side of that coin is true too. It really bothers me when people just wait too long. You know, I like to make stuff happen and get stuff done. And so with this whole church planning idea, you know, the sister church idea, um, this has been something I've wanted to do for years. And if it were just me without anyone else speaking into my life, this would have happened a long time ago and it wouldn't have been the right time. I would have rushed it through. I would have made it happen 
people would have been hurt, it would have probably not worked. And part of the process for me that with the, this, the, this whole process has, has been less about the timing of the church plant and more about what Jesus needed to teach me. And if, if I were to think about like, what's a teachable moment that God, I've had in my life with God recently, this has been it. This has been when uh, people who are mentors in my life said, you need to slow down and back off. And I, you know, at first it made me angry on the inside. It made me frustrated and I want to fight. I want to push through. I want to defeat your idea. But on the other side of things now, I've gone back to the people who have spoken that into my life and said, thank you so much for saying that because God's done so much in my life the last couple of years to get me to the place where I think we're ready now. And it, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. It's like that Kairos moment where um, it's different than Kronos. So I'm getting geeky here on you. But like in the Bible, there's two words for time. And there's Kronos, which is just tick-tock, tick-tock, normal time, day and night, right? And then there's Kairos, which is a special, like a season or a time when the God's word that he said and the time for it to happen meet at the same thing. And so I feel like Part of my process has been learning to wait. Even though I've got an idea that might be from God, learning to wait until God's timing for that idea matches the idea. It's really hard for me. And I think that that's, a, that's an area where I was feeling tension and stress and frustration. And now, like, I'll tell you, there's still things I'm waiting on. Like, I don't think just that God's revealed to us exactly where we're supposed to do this. And there's a part of me that is really bothered by that because it's coming soon and we should know where we're going. It would make sense, but I can't force it. And, but I think like a year or two ago, I would have been a lot more stressed out about this. But there's, and I, you know, I'm not claiming to be like, you know, I don't want to say that I'm there or anything, but um, I can definitely tell that like, if, if this were like another test, I'm doing better. Like I'm getting a B minus instead of an F right now. So I'm dealing with it a little better. And then the next test, hopefully I'll do better. But I think that, I think that these are the teachable moments that God gives us. Okay, so three verses. I think they're powerful. I think that we can apply them to our lives right now and, and probably every day. So we're going to go back into worship. Um, worship team, if you guys can head back up on stage. Um, I really would love for people to get prayer tonight. I really feel like... Um, we could do a call forward and, you know, one or two people could come up and it would make the rest of you liars because everyone in this room at one point or another, probably this week, has felt overwhelmed by something. Now, some of you, maybe not, and you should then pray for others, probably, is what it means. Um, but I, I want you to get prayer. And I don't know. I don't want to manipulate you, even though I already did. Um, I, I, w- I want you to be able to, to get prayer if you want prayer. But I really want to encourage you. We're going we're gonna to do another song two or three songs of worship. And what we do at Sunday night is we allow the last 15, 20 minutes of the meeting to be a response time. So um, as we go into worship, you can go take communion. You can have some time alone with the Lord where you take communion and you pray through with him and, and, and come to him. Come to him with the things that are burdensome for you, that are weighing you down. Um, while we're worshiping, you can also come up and get prayer. We've got this little section up front here, or if you feel more comfortable over to the sides, you're not right in front of the worship team, that's fine. And um, we'll just have a couple people up here who can pray with you, and um, it doesn't have to be a big deal. You know, it's just, it's just praying together for the Lord's presence and His Holy Spirit to strengthen you, to give you direction, to give you grace, to come into your situation, 
Also, I'd say if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, yeah, Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to I make you the center of my life, I want to encourage you to talk to Jonathan. So Jonathan's sitting right here. He's one of the pastors here at the church. If you don't know Jonathan, pretty good guy. Um, I encourage you just to come up and get prayer from him and talk to him. If you've never given your life fully to Jesus and tonight could be that night. So um, Nathan, you want to turn some sort of music on? Thanks. Let's pray. Let's stand together. Can we stand up together? Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit um, just to minister to us. Um, I want to just say, teenagers, I would really encourage you guys to pray for people. Maybe you guys could go in twos and just go up and say, hey, could I pray for you, even if they haven't come up here? Because we've been, we've been praying together a lot about slowing life down and getting into the, that sacred place. I think, teenagers, you could give something to the adults tonight. So can I challenge you to do that? Teenagers, there's like 10 of you in here. All right. Jesus, thank you for your love in our lives. Thank you that you say that we can come to you when we're burdened, when we're overwhelmed, and you will give us rest, that you will teach us, and that you yourself will even join us in this situation. God, we pray that you would come and make us um, not just get by, but live healthy, victorious lives, to live full of life, live full of purpose, connected to, uh, you know, the, the eternal purposes of all the things that we're doing in our lives, God. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, come right now. For those who are feeling this, this sense of being overwhelmed, God, we pray that you would begin to move in our hearts right now, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. I just feel like there's some people here who just need like a, a drink of water, not like physically, but spiritually, you just need a drink of water that it's been one thing to the next. And I think a lot of you are the people who wouldn't normally get prayer because you're like, I'm good. Lots of other people have a harder time. You're the people that need to get prayer today. If you're the givers in this room, you need to get prayer today. God wants to meet you tonight. So let's Let's pray for each other. Let's grab communion and, and we'll worship together.